Hey everyone, welcome to Unjustly, a social injustice podcast. My name is Sandy and this is my co-host Stephanie. Hi everyone. So I had an extremely hard time choosing my stories for this month. We have this extremely long running list of cases and topics that just keep accumulating, but I also have a shorter version of the list of cases and topics that I am dead set on doing. But now even that list has become too long and it's been so frustrating and disappointing, honestly, just like depressing almost, uh, knowing how unfair society has been to people of color and the violence and the racism and the issues just keep piling up. And it's disheartening seeing all these cases in modern times, in post-Jim Crow era, in post-civil rights movement. This is 2021, and we live in a country that attempts to pride themselves in being seen as a free nation with such diversity and the promise of this fantasy of the American dream. But for a lot of people, that is simply not true. And unfortunately, a lot of people in our own society do not get those opportunities. And these past few weeks, I felt extremely defeated. Um, And Steph and I do this podcast to try to bring awareness to injustices and educate people about cases or topics that they might not know about. And honestly, the more you know, the better you can help contribute to a more equal society. But right now, it just doesn't feel like enough, and I've been feeling a little overwhelmed by it. And I feel like you had said some of this a little bit last time we were recording, too. Yeah. But you just kind of had to take a break from everything and stop because it was just becoming a lot. I st- I'm still on my break. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched anything, like, true crime related in a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of weighing a little heavy lately. Mm -hmm. Um, So I say all of this because I definitely had to take a step back and kind of take a break. Usually I spend a couple weeks writing out my story and I emerge myself in all of the videos and stories of injustices and it's what I'm surrounded by daily for work and then whenever I hop on social media. But when I was trying to choose my next topic, I just couldn't. Because I would like one idea and then I'd hear about something else that would infuriate me that I wanted everyone to learn about and the cycle just kept continuing. So I stopped searching and I stepped back from it to reevaluate and take a breather and I took a few mental health days as well. And then two days before we were set to record today, my friend posted this little blue square with just a name on it and it said Ronald Green and that was it. So being the curious person that I am, I researched it and I found a video, watched it, and I broke down crying. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was already like trying to take a break from everything and I was already trying to like be away from everything and I see this and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to look at this one thing and then I just kind of lost it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was like an accumulation of already feeling overwhelmed and then watching this video just kind of sent me over the edge, but... I spent some time crying, um, but once I was done crying, I knew it was time to get back up and continue with this conversation for justice. And at the time of this recording, a few media outlets and a couple of celebrities posted about this case, but only time will tell how much momentum this will gain. So this is a story of Ronald Green and the civil rights investigation that just opened back up a couple weeks ago to find out what really happened to him. The sources for the story can be found in the bio of the podcast. Ronald Green was a 49-year-old black man who lived in Monroe, Louisiana. He worked as a barber. Green was diagnosed with cancer in 2017 and battled it for two years. But in 2019, he thankfully went into remission and decided to meet with his wife, who was in Florida at the time. 
So on May 10th, 2019, Green left his home in Monroe, Louisiana and started the drive to Florida. But Green would only get a few miles before police tried to pull him over for an unspecified traffic violation. So I do want to point out that there are no records of what violation they were trying to pull Green over for, and police still have not specified this. They just keep saying it's traffic violation. We were trying to pull him over for a traffic violation, and they're not saying what one. Yeah. And this is very important because this is where I believe the issue starts. And to understand the importance, you need to understand the history of Monroe, Louisiana. Monroe has a very dark history with enslavement and then the refusal to integrate. A study of lynchings done in America showed that the parish that Monroe belongs to was the fifth deadliest place in the country for lynchings. In 1964, civil rights activist Mike Lesser wrote, Monroe is hell. More harassment than I have ever faced in any community. I have been picked up three times in the last five days, and I'm surprised that I don't have a police officer sleeping in my bed at night. They follow us so closely. And unfortunately, racism is still prevalent in the city to this day. Last year, in 2020, Monroe made headlines when two faculty members from the University of Louisiana, Monroe, were found to have racist posts on their social media pages. One had complained that police brutality was a false narrative used to, quote, keep blacks on the Democrat plantation. The other faculty member posted a news article regarding then-President Donald Trump and stated, Thank God for our president. He takes no salary for his loyal commitment, not like the monkey before him. Yeah. Obviously, she was referring to former President Obama, and we all know that the word monkey is used as a racial slur. The university investigated the issue, but in response, one of those accused faculty members stated, quote, People are becoming irrational about the N-word, and the N-word was spelled out, by the way. If you think you will ever stop people from using that or any other word by telling them not to use it, you're crazy. People are definitely going to still use the word that you tell them not to. I use the word freely as I want to because this is America and you can't tell me what I can or cannot say. This faculty member is white. So this is Monroe, Louisiana, and I give you this background to prove a point because the fact that there was never a specific traffic violation recorded for why police wanted to pull Green over was because, in my opinion, this may very well be one of those situations where there is bias involved and Green may have been pulled over for being black. So the following story is the narrative given by the police involved in the case. And also, these are Louisiana state troopers. So I know they're called troopers in Louisiana. um, But here in California, we also refer to them as police, (laughs) is what I found in my research. So I'm going to try my best to say trooper, but sometimes I might say police. So according to the troopers, they attempted to pull Green over for an unspecified traffic violation. However, Green did not pull over immediately and police began to try to chase him. Troopers then report that Green crashed his car into a tree and Green died on impact, and this was the end of the situation. This is the exact story that police gave Green's family and didn't say anything beyond Green dying on impact from the crash. The Associated Press reported, citing the Union Parish coroner, that Green's death was ruled accidental and was attributed to cardiac arrest, but additional information was not published. After the incident, a single-page crash report was made, and it stated 
that after Green crashed his car, state troopers took Green into custody where he became unresponsive and died on his way to the hospital. And that was it. It was a very short report given the nature of the case, but it sounded straightforward and also making it sound that the death was caused by injuries from the crash. There was no mention of use of police force in this report. The Louisiana State Police later released a statement acknowledging that the troopers did use force in the encounter and said that the use of force was justified. The Louisiana State Police would not open an internal investigation until 474 days after Green's death. And this leads us to where we are today. So, now we are not only faced with the issue of police brutality, but also with the issue of a cover-up by Louisiana State Troopers. So, in the fall of 2020, a little over a year after the incident, Green's mother was finally shown the police footage of his death, and she was outraged. Because this 46-minute video showed a drastically opposite version of events than State Troopers had been claiming. So let's go over what happens in this video and analyze certain pieces of it. The footage starts as troopers start approaching Green. Although troopers had originally said that Green was involved in a bad accident, in the video, the car doesn't seem to be in an accident at all. There is no sign of the front end of the car hitting anything. The airbag was not deployed and Green appears to be uninjured, was speaking and moving around perfectly fine. So hold on. First, it was a traffic violation. Now mm-hmm. it's, oh, we pulled him over. Or like, so we saw him pulled over on the no. side of the road? So they always said that there's this unspecified traffic violation that they were trying to pull him over for, but he didn't immediately pull over. Mm-hmm. So they kind of had to chase him. And then they're saying during this chase, he crashed into oh. a tree and then died on impact. And then later, that's what they told the family. Later, they then say, well, he crashed and then we you know, had an encounter with him, but ultimately he died from the injuries of the crash. Sure. And now that we're seeing the video footage, we don't see the chase, but apparently they did have to follow him for a bit, but it doesn't look like he crashed into anything which made him stop. It looked like he's probably stopped on his own. Mm. So as troopers approach Green, they have guns drawn and are yelling and cussing at him. Green immediately puts his hands in the air, but he's immediately tased. Green then says, I'm sorry, I'm scared. Officer, I'm scared. I'm your brother. I'm scared. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Again, Green has his hands in the air. Green is then thrown on the ground, and as they handcuffed him, they tase him again. There are multiple white officers on the scene at this point, and they are basically taking turns kicking, punching, and apparently tasing Green as it is reported that he was tased at least three times. One officer can be seen putting Green in a chokehold and repeatedly punching him in the face. This whole time, Green can be heard moaning, screaming, crying, apologizing, and saying he couldn't breathe. To me, it didn't look like Green was resisting arrest. He was frightened, and there were multiple people on his body pulling him every which way. It seemed like he tried his best to keep his hands up and say sorry, but after being tased, he put his hands on the ground, almost as if to get some pressure off of his chest so that he could breathe. Um, But that's just from my Mm -hmm. observations. It was somewhat of a chaotic scene, but he just kept saying, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um... So after being tased, kicked, and hit multiple times, the footage then shows a bloody and bruised green handcuffed and laying on his stomach moaning. But this is not even where things end. 
So I do want to point out that at the time of this recording, the whole video has not been released, but the first few minutes along with various other clips have been released by the media. The day that these clips were released, the Louisiana State Police released a statement saying that the investigation into Green's death remains under review by federal and state authorities and the release of the footage was premature and unauthorized. So as of right now, we only have a few minutes of the 46-minute video to work with. But what we can see is already so telling of what happened and how this was definitely a cover-up. So the next few clips then show some of the aftermath. After Green was beat up and handcuffed and shackled and left on the ground bloody, an officer can be heard saying, I've got blood all over me. I hope this guy ain't got fucking AIDS. Oh. In the background, you can still hear Green moaning and crying. It is reported that officers then left Green on his stomach moaning without rendering any aid for at least nine minutes while officers put hand sanitizer on themselves and clean off Green's blood that was on them. Footage then shows a trooper, Corey York, putting his foot on Green's back as Green attempts to roll on his side to catch his breath. The trooper then pushes him back down onto his belly and yells, don't turn over, lay on your belly. York then kneels on Green's back and tells him again, you better lay on your fucking belly like I told you to. You understand? Which Green responds, yes, sir. So let's talk about this specifically real quick. There have been a lot of debate on the dangers of keeping a person in a prone position, meaning on their stomachs, while being handcuffed, and this also intertwines with the issue of asphyxia from having an officer's knee on someone's neck. So in 1995, the U.S. Department of Justice warned law enforcement agencies of the dangers of prone restraint and that, quote, as soon as a suspect is handcuffed, get them off their stomachs. So this was decided by the U.S. Department of Justice, and it was told to all police agencies across the country. And this is a part of their training. The U.S. Department of Justice further warned that people who are obese, have alcohol or drug use, and have an enlarged heart are more susceptible to the dangers of positional asphyxia, which is death as a result of body position that interferes with one's ability to breathe. As a side note, Green was overweight and had substances in his body, so he was even more susceptible to positional asphyxia. So agencies nationwide are supposed to have yearly trainings that include restraints and the policy to avoid placing your weight on an arrestee's back to hold him down, and that when handcuffed, get the arrestee off his stomach as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, even with this policy in place, over 100 people have died to positional asphyxia while in custody within the last 10 years, and this is that we know of. Not all of them are going to be mm -hmm. reported as such. Attorney Nicholas DeCello said he thinks the reason why this might be a reoccurring issue is in part because of litigation. DeCello says that law enforcement agencies who historically investigate themselves sometimes find no wrongdoing and feel compelled to defend themselves in civil lawsuits by hiring experts who question or challenge the science behind the dangers of positional asphyxia, even though the U.S. Department of Justice says this is absolutely true. DeCello is very well-versed on this issue as he represents the family of Robert Richardson after his death in 2012. 
Richardson, a 28-year-old black man, suffered a medical issue while being held for failure to pay child support. While suffering the medical condition, correction officers handcuffed him and left him on his stomach in the prone position for 22 minutes, at which point he stopped breathing. Officers attempted to say that they kept Richardson on his side. However, video footage shows they left him on his stomach. The autopsy ruled Richardson's death was due to cardiac arrhythmia and that acute marijuana intoxication, obesity, and cardiovascular disease also were contributing factors. In a sworn deposition, the coroner said that the restraint also contributed to the causing Robert's death. So all of this is to show the significance of those seconds within the footage of Green trying to move to his side to catch his breath and the officer pushing him back into the prone position with his foot on his back and yelling at him to get back on his belly. There's a moment when it appears that a trooper apparently pepper sprays Green in the face as he lay on the ground handcuffed and feet shackled. Green can be heard saying, Oh Lord, oh Lord Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The trooper responds, Yeah, that shit hurt, doesn't it? This would absolutely qualify as excessive use of force because he was in no way a threat in this moment. Green begins to make gurgling noises as two troops keep holding him down. Another video clip shows an officer grabbing Green by his shackled ankles and dragging his body across the dirt with Green's bloody face on the ground. In the footage, there's no context in why this act was done, but I can't imagine any reason that this would be justified. Green was not in the way of anything or trying to escape. It looks like a limp Green just randomly being dragged in the dirt. There is then footage of a limp Green trying to be picked up by the officers. I'm assuming it was to be put on a gurney to go to the hospital, but at this time, it looks like he's already lost consciousness. A paramedic who had arrived on scene can be heard saying, he's not getting enough air, yet no one begins administering oxygen to Green. Not even the paramedics? No, it seemed like it took a long time for them to even start rendering any aid, but also we don't have the full mm. footage Just and it's clips. not in like a linear style. It's like little clips. So when troopers arrived to his car, in the beginning of the story, Green was alive, speaking well, moving his body well, and uninjured. And he left the trooper's encounter after an ordeal of tasing, punches, kicks, and being in the prone position for a significant amount of time, and he was dead soon after. Emergency medical technicians who were called to the scene found Green unresponsive, bloody, bruised, and with several stun gun barbs stuck to his body. After watching all this footage, there's no way an investigator can immediately conclude that Green died from injuries sustained from a car accident. On top of the fact that there isn't even evidence of a severe car crash to begin with. Green's car had minimal damage and was mostly on the rear driver's side. An accident reconstruction expert concluded that the damages on the car was inconsistent with a fatal collision. I saw the pictures of the car which I will include in our social media pages, but it honestly looks like maybe one of the troopers clipped the back of the, like the back side mm. of the car to get him to pull over. Um, or maybe like he hit something on the way to park, but it, it what nothing on the front. It's mm. like the back side, like where the back tire is. Mm -hmm. So there's no way that Green crashed his car into something because like I said, the front was in perfect condition. Mm -hmm. The family commissioned an independent autopsy and found severe injuries to Mr. Green's head and skull and several wounds to the face. 
which as we can all see, were all caused by the troopers. An emergency room physician at the medical center where Green died said that the explanation of Green's injuries given by law enforcement didn't add up. The original autopsy report has also been recently obtained, and it noted that Green had cocaine and alcohol in his system and that his head injuries and the way he was restrained were factors in his death. The report stated that the lacerations of the head were inconsistent with a motor vehicle collision injury. These injuries are most consistent with multiple impact sites from a blunt object. It was also noted that Green had a broken breastbone and a torn aorta. But this is also where evidence of a cover-up comes into play, because pathologists said the process for the autopsy report was hindered by the Louisiana State Police's failure to provide even the most routine documents relating to Green's arrest, including police reports, collision details, and emergency medical records. Use of force expert Andrew Scott stated that Green's case is the perfect example of how stonewalling is the Achilles heel of law enforcement. The only reason I can even conjecture that this information would not be provided to the medical examiner's office is because they didn't want them to see it. They intentionally thwarted the facts of this case to be truly revealed. And that's quoted from the expert. Because of this, though, a manner of death was not listed on the autopsy report. So I know that I explained most of what happened in the footage, but I want to include some audio from it just so you can feel how chaotic the situation was and the desperation in Green's voice as he tried to survive this ordeal. Steph hasn't seen this either yet, so I'm going to show her as well. Oh, okay. No, it's just, it's really sad. It's, that's, it's why I don't watch them. Yeah. Yeah, it is hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, And I, like you said earlier, you don't like to watch the videos like George Floyd and things Mm-mm. like that. And I'm the same way. It's really difficult to see those. And I, I try not to. But for this instance, I, I felt like it was really important to understand the story and mm-hmm. understand the cover up too. Yeah. Because none of this was explained to it's the family. It's definitely not a, a car accident death. No. Yeah. Yeah, and it's very obvious now the footage is released. It's also like as you were talking, one of the things that just kind of like popped into my mind, which I feel like we see a lot, even in the in the clip when the uh, trooper was explaining what happened, mm-hmm. is just like this idea that oh well he's fighting back, um you know he he was resisting or we were wrestling him. 
And to me, in a lot of these cases, it's not that they're wrestling or that they're fighting back. It's that they're terrified. Yeah. Any any person of color who is pulled over or is being arrested, they don't have this like, you know, like that term that we use or like they they use in court of like a reasonable person. Mm -hmm. They're not people of color are not reasonable in the sense that nothing that's ever happened to them is like that of a white person being pulled over. Their mm-hmm. experiences are completely different. Mm-hmm. So to say, oh, well, he's wrestling or, oh, he's fighting back or they're resisting arrest. Uh, yes, of course they are because history has shown that time and time and again, when someone of color is pulled over or arrested, really bad things tend to happen. Mm-hmm. So they're not reacting like a normal or a reasonable person. They're reacting like someone whose life is in danger. Yeah, And yeah. so it's unfair to think, or for him to say, well, he's wrestling. He's not wrestling. You guys are punching him. Mm-hmm. They're pushing. It's three people ganging up on someone. Mm-hmm. He has no idea where the blows are coming. To me, it seems more like he's trying to like protect himself. Mm-hmm. And in him trying to protect himself, that's where they're saying, well, he's resisting or he's wrestling. He's not wrestling. He's not throwing punches back. Yeah. You can't wrestle someone if you're not fighting back. He's yeah. not fighting back. He's literally trying to protect his body. Mm-hmm. From the taser, from their punches, from their kicks, from the pepper spray. I mean, like, none of that is reasonable. So what makes them think that he should just literally lay there and die? Because that's what they're expecting. Well, Mm -hmm. if you're being arrested, just lay there. Let us do what we want to do. And if you end up dying, then so be it. Yeah. That's just so unfair. And it's crazy because, I mean, our bodies have this automatic flight or fight response, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's unfair to be like, you know, if, if I'm hitting them, they should just put their hands behind their back. Like yeah. your body's automatically going to try to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, and you can see he, like you said, he never fights, he never punches back. No. He never hits back. He's on his stomach the whole time. And you see him multiple tr- times, like trying to still keep his hands in the air. Mm-hmm. But that is so difficult when you're just getting hit over and yeah. over again. Like, I don't know what these people expect um, from someone being treated that way. And it's so sad that he's saying, I'm sorry, like, yeah, I'm sure if he did, you know, try to run them out or escape them or whatever, he's mm-hmm. sorry. But like, it's also I feel we see we hear this from a lot of the other videos that we've that have come out, right? Like that they're I'm sorry, like, yeah, you know, please, I'm scared. Like these things, it's like, it's not that they're scared. And of course, they're scared in that moment. But it's also kind of like, I'm sorry for being black. I'm sorry that like my presence is so threatening to you. I'm sorry for being a lot like, you know, if there's so much more behind those words mm-hmm. and it's just so sad. And I think that's why I don't watch them because it's yeah. like this is someone who in that moment is questioning their entire existence. Like, why me? Why? Like, right. Why do I have to be this way? Why do like why do people have to view me this way? And that's just so unfair for someone to have to think of those things in a moment where they're being treated unfairly. Yeah. And then those end up being their final moments. Yeah. It's so traumatic. Mm -hmm. It's very tragic. In September 2020, federal authorities opened a civil rights investigation into Mr. Green's death. The FBI, the Civil Rights Division of the Justice Department, and the United States Attorney's Office for the Western District of Louisiana are handling the federal investigation. Also in September 2020, the audio of Officer Chris Hollingsworth was released. So after Green had been beaten up and left restrained, Officer Hollingsworth is recorded saying, quote, I beat the ever-living fuck out of him, choke him and everything else, trying to get him under control. The son of a bitch was still fighting. He was spitting blood everywhere. Then all of a sudden, he just went limp. I thought he was dead. 
Another officer is then heard saying, you all got that on body cam? At which point Hollingsworth then turns his camera off. So I'll play the audio for this real quick as well. Hello. Hey. Hey. All right. I, we may be 10-2. I don't know. Why's that? Well, this guy was drunk, and I think he was wet. Yeah. And I beat the ever-living fuck out of him, choked him and everything else trying to get him under control. And we finally got him in handcuffs when a third man got there. And the son of a bitch was still fighting, and we were still wrestling with him, trying to hold him down because he was spitting blood everywhere. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he just went limp. Damn. Yeah, I thought he was dead. We set him up real quick. He's on the ambulance and route to Glenwood, and, and I'm hauling ass trying to catch up to him. You think he, uh, y'all got no body cam? Soon after the audio was released, Officer Hollingsworth was notified that he was going to be fired as a result of an internal police investigation into Green's death. A few hours after receiving this news, Officer Hollingsworth crashed his car and died, which is not, it hasn't been talked about in any of the media, but it also is suspected that it was his plan to die by suicide. On May 6, 2020, Green's family filed a federal wrongful death suit against seven defendants, which included the six troopers who were involved in the incident. One of the officers, Corey York, was temporarily suspended and has since returned to the force. Another officer, Dakota DeMoss, was one of four Louisiana state troopers arrested in February of 2021 in an unrelated case of charges of using unjustifiable excessive force deactivating their body cameras while making arrests, giving false statements about a suspect's alleged resistance, and falsifying reports. Regarding the beating of the man in this case, DeMoss was caught texting colleagues that, quote, he's going to have nightmares for a long time for the whooping we gave him, in which another trooper responded, quote, warms my heart knowing we could educate that young man. So the Louisiana State Troopers have a history of treating people awful, uh, police brutality, falsifying reports, Mm -hmm. falsifying the fact that people are resisting arrest when they weren't, um, and then specifically the troopers involved in Green's case. Charles Key, another use of force expert and former Baltimore police lieutenant, said, The trooper's wrong and what he did is excessive. It's a mistake because he can't breathe. You see Green drawing his legs up, and that may be because he can't breathe. Mm -hmm. Lee Merritt is one of the three attorneys representing Green's family. Merritt states that, quote, this was a malicious attack on the side of the road on a fully surrendered man. So Green's mother, Mona Hardin, states, quote, I haven't processed what happened to him if there's even such a way of properly processing. Green's mother goes on to say that the incident involved a cover-up on many levels and that the family is calling for accountability from everyone involved, particularly the officers who she said allowed him to just slowly die on the spot. Hardin says, what these guys did to my son and the cover-up that ensued behind all of that, someone has to stay focused and my family will. What they did to Ronnie, they have to pay the penalties. Green's mother talks about how he was a very positive person and the fact that when he first encountered the troopers, he said, I'm sorry, I'm your brother, is consistent with who he was as a person. 
Hardin says that Green would always remind her to look at things in a more positive way. Listening to the mothers of victims of injustices and police brutality is always the hardest for me. No parent should have to ever bury their child, but to add on the gruesome manner that these incidences happen and the videos they have to watch of their child getting tortured and murdered and then having to protest in the street and fight for justice, reliving the experience every single day just rips my heart into pieces. They never get to properly grieve. It's traumatic and they become victims of the situation as well. I just can't every single time a case like this happens and I'm just like, if this was my child, I just, no one can imagine ever being in that type of situation. Mm -mm. I would have so much rage, so much rage. Like when people are like, oh, you know, they're looting or they're burning down stuff. That's not going to solve anything. Honestly, I might do the same thing. <laughs> I might do the same thing. Yeah. If police officers treated one of my children like this, I would have so much rage if they were not held accountable. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what I would do, but I completely understand the anger that this is causing the community because, mm -hmm. I mean, they're all our children, right? Yeah. Every single person that's a mother, you're a mother to anyone. You have that that instinct. Here's the thing. Mm -hmm. If anything ever happened to Hercules, I would lose my shit. I would probably mm -hmm. burn things down. So I could only imagine if I had an actual human baby. Yeah. What like what I would do. How much. No more. one would be safe. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. And that's why there's just so much outrage. And people that are thinking that police brutality is a false narrative aren't grasping this concept. And it's usually because they don't have to ever worry about their own children being in that type but of situation. But I don't know if it's that they don't grasp or that, that they just don't, they don't care. To me, it's mm -hmm. that they don't care because mm -hmm. at this point in time, you can't avoid it and yeah. you can't act like it's not happening because it's on film it's on mm -hmm. video and it's been circulated around the entire world so you can't say it's not it doesn't exist anymore yeah we don't have you don't have that luxury of like well there wasn't cell phones and mm -hmm. you know we we didn't record it so maybe there's this like slight chance it wasn't as it as it appears we have video now yeah. it's recorded so you you don't have the luxury of saying that at this point you're just you just don't care because it doesn't affect you mm-hmm and that's just wrong. That's worse than being ignorant to it because right. you're not around it or because you don't have to experience it. At this point, you just you don't see care. It. You yeah. see it and you just don't care. That's true. Yeah, I don't even know. Like with Green, you know, it, being his mother and having to watch that footage mm -hmm. of him getting beat up and he's saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm your brother. I'm sorry. That poor woman had to mourn him twice. When she first found out that he had died mm -hmm. in a car accident, which mm -hmm. is already hard enough because you've lost your son and right. it's this awful accident, but you have some like solace knowing, well, it was an accident, right? right. Like he, it was a car accident. It, it, those things happen. But then finding out later on that it was actually much worse than just a yeah. simple car accident and that in his last moments he was tortured because that's to me, that's what that looks like. Yeah. That looks like absolute torture. Yeah. You might not actually be torturing someone in the sense that we like like to think of it. But what they did to him was tortured. Right. And mm -hmm. so to have to know that and then remourn him in a much harder and like probably deeper and darker way. Like mm -hmm. that's awful for her to have to go through that twice. Mm -hmm. 
and, now and she, his family and yeah. his friends and the community like you said like that's just it's terrible and because now, you have someone to point the finger at before it was like well like i said like it's an accident so you just have to kind of let it be mm-hmm. now you know that there's people responsible and like you said you're filled with rage and mm-hmm. now you want to go after those people oh absolutely Ugh. So and now she has to do the interviews and the protests and, and and it's just reliving it every day. And I I like that as a community, people are coming together and rallying behind these mothers and or the parents or the family members and the friends to to let them know like their life does matter and we're going to try our best to get some accountability going. But I I don't know where this is. This is still all very yeah. new. So I it don't know where it's headed. so much burden on his Mm -hmm. family and his friends and that community because if you don't do anything and you just want to crawl into your home and live the rest of your days sad and miserable and just like why Mm -hmm. you don't have that option really because you have to go out there and you have to fight for him and it's and now you're not just fighting for him you've got all of these names that you're fighting for you know like that's that's hard Mm mm-hmm Alana Odoms, executive director of the ACLU of Louisiana, states that the latest body cam video is irrefutable videographic evidence of an epidemic of excessive force. It provides to the public, in the same way that the George Floyd video did, the necessary kind of tangible and frankly gruesome and infuriating kind of proof of what our community members have known inherently and anecdotally for a long time. After pictures of Green's body began circulating social media, Eugene W. Collins, president of the Baton Rouge branch of the NAACP, stated, These photos are atrocious. We have to believe that from day one, the Louisiana State Police were not honest with the public. At the time of this recording, no one has been charged with Green's death yet. This is an ongoing investigation, and now that some of the footage has been released, I am hopeful that the public scrutiny and pressure will help to make sure that justice is served and accountability is held. Because as of right now, these state troopers are still actively policing the streets. So my call to action is to spread awareness about this case. Tell your friends and family and post on social media. If you want to donate, there is a GoFundMe page under Justice for Ronald Green, and I will post the link in our bio on our Instagram as well. So that is the tragic story of Ronald Green and the cover-up by Louisiana State Troopers. As the investigation progresses, we will keep you all updated. Thank you all for joining us on this episode about injustice. If you are listening right now, please do us a favor and stop what you're doing and subscribe to the podcast if you are not doing so already. And if you have an iPhone and enjoy what we are doing, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate your love and it will greatly help us to spread more awareness about the cases and topics we cover. And we will see you next week. See you next week. Thank you.